Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's great to be with you. Today we're going to be spending some time talking about our experiences with engaging the contemplative in the midst of social justice work. And for you guys, Chris and Christina, I am very excited to be talking about this because I feel like it comes up all the time in my circles. It's easy to feel angry when we're engaged in social justice. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and sometimes that can even lead to feeling like maybe I shouldn't do anything or we just feel paralyzed in the midst of it. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I hear more and more people saying, I wonder if the contemplative can help with some of the stuff that we experience in the emotional realm. I wonder if there's anything there for us in terms of sustainability even. And so I have personally been looking towards people like um, the Dalai Lama and Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. They wrote this great book, The Book of Joy, and they talk every now and again throughout the whole book about social justice. For instance, they say the ability to be present in each moment is nothing more and nothing less than the ability to accept the vulnerability and discomfort and anxiety of everyday life. And so I wonder, what are your experiences with all of this? What do you think about when you think about the contemplative and social justice? For me, I remember a situation a couple years ago where I was listening to a Benedictine nun talk about social justice. Uh, as one of their core values, justice is a piece of that. And she started her lecture saying, you know, in our minds, pick what, whatever we picture social justice to mean, what comes to mind? And often it's things like maybe going to a march, expressing activism, or tangibly doing some things on behalf of others. And she dialed us back and said, you know, I believe that justice starts with listening. And it was a jarring statement because I don't think that's what we were expecting her to say. But um, her and then also another Benedictine nun that I have been really helped by is Sister Joan Chittister. And she also writes about this aspect of listening and the multidimensionalness of listening that um, we listen to the stirrings going on in our own hearts. We listen to the wider world around us. We listen to scripture. Um, and we also listen to like discernment, wise discernment. And I think that that's really important as we're talking about justice and the contemplative, because like you, Christina, I think this does come up quite a bit in people that I'm interacting with and such a deep passion and desire to see change in the world, to see equity on a variety of issues. And so I think sometimes one of the frames that I use that, that I found really helpful is thinking in terms of concentric circles, where I think a lot of times we um, kind of go to those outer rings of a disturbing news article or hearing somebody's story that really stirs us with anger or a sense of feeling overwhelmed. Um, rather than possibly looking at the frame from the concentric circles with that inner circle being me and where am I at right now in my, re my own relationship with God and with the scriptures and, and what's informing that, maybe that next layer being those in my immediate circle, whether that be family, close friends, people whom I trust, maybe a little bit wider to colleagues, schools, our neighborhoods, uh, perhaps our city, civil issues going on there, and then the wider world. 
And I think sometimes when we um, are in some of those outer circles and we find ourselves maybe being, um, I don't know, triggered or in a wonderful, compassionate way, emotional about something, I find it helpful to go back to some of those inner circles of, okay, I want to listen on all the different dimensions and what's coming up in me. And sometimes I think we can quickly go through those circles and it's like, oh, well, this is obvious. In this situation, I can easily have a conversation, write a check, show up at an event. Sometimes, though, I think it's not as easy and we have to maybe spend some time in that inner circle of, what is rising up in me and why do I have the particular emotions today around this justice issue? Um, And I think that when we're faithful to do that, to your point, I think that really makes a difference with a one-time reaction versus a sustainable value of justice that we express. Yeah, I think what comes up for me, uh, having a, a missions background, being involved in missions for a number of years and a pastoral background, you know, I think justice and need are two different things. And uh, I think we're always surrounded by need. Uh, but justice is like looking at the long term. How do we affect change over the long term? And I remember we were preparing to go to Rwanda and we were thinking about what are some things that we could do as we go over to Rwanda. And we had a, a, a wonderful friend give us a piece of advice. Um, and, and, and it was about thinking long-term. And he told a story about, you know, people going over to Africa or going over to these nations that have a lot of need. And they, they, want, to, they want to be helpful. And he told a story where uh, some, some people came over on a missions trip with some shoes. And they uh, brought a whole village some shoes. What ended up happening is the shoes wore out. The shoes softened the soles of their feet. And then whenever they went back to barefoot, many got sick and some of them even died. And so he was encouraging us to think, what, is, what, are, what are you going to do uh, that helps people in the long term, how are you going to change systems? And so that that's always stuck with me. Like how the 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 change that we're going to affect in the world, how can we make it sustainable, and how can we make it the long game instead of like responding to these short term needs? And I think that's where contemplation comes in, because in order to look at something uh, in a long term way, you actually have to contemplate. Okay, what, what is it that we want to do here? What is it that we want to see? What long-term change do, do we want to see happen? So that's what comes up for me when we think about um, social justice and the contemplative. And when we think about that long game, how do you approach it, contemplatively speaking, do you think? I personally go back to something that Christina said. Okay, I think about, okay, who are my connections? And what is it that we want to see happen in the world? So, you know, I'm a part-time bus driver, have been a part-time bus driver for years. And so I'm, I'm met with need all the time. You know, I see kids coming on my bus that have a rope tied around their waist that they're using for a belt and they're asking other people for food 
And so, you know, you mentioned the backpack program and it's like, okay, who, who can I be in relationship with to help these kids over, over the long term? And so I think about who, who are my, you know, who are my circles that we could think about doing this together and not just doing uh, something for the year, but doing something that is going to last for years to come. Yeah. These concentric circles are very helpful, I think, for me, because they're chatting about the relational aspect. Social justice is very hard to engage with by yourself. It can be useful right in a moment where I'm engaging the topic, I'm learning about it, and I need to have an emotional moment that <laughs> that is uniquely mine. <laughs> that feels helpful. But then um, once you are trying to actually do something over the long term, I'm so with you on that. Um, it also occurs to me as we're talking, there's the notion of things that are out there, right? Like, oh, there's people that when they wear shoes, this actually doesn't help the whole ecosystem of their body. Uh, but then there's the things that happen close to home, too. And so I think of relationships. I don't know. I mean, this has been a great year for people to have a lot to say on the political aspect of relationship. Uh, but even before this year, I feel like these issues of what is equity and what is fairness have come up. And sometimes that comes up in an interpersonal way with people that you love and care about. And it's very difficult. Um, when they talk about social justice, they often talk about kind of see something, say something, right? And that's not so easy to do in relationship with people. So they tend to get mad. <laughs> are you calling me? Are you saying? Uh, this is a challenging thing that we are invited into. And I have found like the loving kindness meditation to be very helpful. So first it's to accept oneself. Uh, may I be happy. May I be at peace. May I be well. And then to turn out to people that you care about and then maybe people that you have difficult relationship with. And so sometimes I break that up into different days. Like maybe just today I'll focus on me and tomorrow we'll focus on you. Uh, depends how much time one has. But just to keep that connection going, if I think back to the Book of Joy, they tell this really poignant story about this guy who's been imprisoned and that his goal is not to hate the people that are imprisoning him. And it's really difficult because they treat him very poorly. Um, so how connection re relationally fits into all of this feels like a really big issue too. Yeah, and I think one question that I find really helpful is just what's mine to do? Because when we talk about social justice, that's like a huge umbrella term that encompasses so many different things. And as I interact with different people and myself included, you know, there's so again, even in this brief conversation thus far, we've mentioned global issues or prison or, you know, there's environmental issues, race issues, sexual orientation equity, like all of these different issues that well, there's a lot going on. And I think that's where some of the overwhelming piece is. And so uh, I think sort of recognizing what's mine to do seems to be helpful. And sometimes, so for example, I don't right now, and I don't even know if, um, you know, prisons aren't open right now, but there's a lot of uh, things that you have to do in order to maybe go and to visit people in, in prison. And so that's not really mine to do right now, but 
I can buy Dave's bread, which is a little bit more expensive bread, but this is a guy who uh, used to be in prison, came out and recognized that it was really difficult for people to get jobs. And so his whole bread business is based on, and if you go to his website, there's stories and testimonials of people that had a record and are now helping to run this bread business. And it's an incredible opportunity for people that have a criminal record. And so that's mine to do. I can buy Dave's bread and my children know that and we read the package and we talk about what it means to have some equity in employment with people that have a criminal record. So, again, and, and feeling good about that, that that's for right now, that's mine to do and that's OK. And then maybe on another issue, there might be a little bit more or different expression. But I, I think that that, again, is really helpful, Chris, to, to your point earlier of we, we contemplate and we sort of ask those questions instead of being reactionary in and an urgency. And, and clearly there are urgencies. And sometimes I think the matter at hand does require a different response. But I think having that pause seems to be really helpful. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to some of the interpersonal stuff that you were talking about earlier, um, I think what's helpful for me is there is no us and there is no them. There is only us. <laughs> and so whenever you, whenever you eliminate uh, the people that are other, the thing that you do to yourself, you're doing to everyone. And so how you would act on your own behalf is how you should be act on the behalf of others, including those that don't believe that, those that think differently than you, those that think that there is a us versus them. And so that's the challenging part for me is how do I view them as us, you know, whenever they clearly have a us versus them mentality. And I think you just have to continue to contemplate, like, what, what would it look like for me to draw them into this? to act as if that is not their viewpoint, to continue to say they are us as well. Yeah, I really like that. Particularly, uh, there's another poignant moment where uh, one, I don't remember if it's the Dalai Lama or Desmond Tutu, but they're talking about how proper that people can be sometimes, and then like something falls and everybody scrambles to pick it up and you see their humanness. And that has been a very important piece of trying to maintain that sense of not us versus them for me is these are people, when, when things happen, they have the same emotions that I can have. Right? They get scared, they get anxious, they get nervous. They, they feel the same emotions that I feel. They cry. <laughs> All people cry. <laughs> and so that has also been very helpful. I find that as we're all talking, this notion of staying flexible because of whatever the needs are of the day comes to mind. Like, Christina, you were saying, maybe I can't go to the prison today, but I can buy this bread, right? Like, what can I do today feels like a really big thing because the issues are large and we feel small sometimes, but if my grocery store has fair trade bananas, I can buy fair trade bananas. Currently my grocery store does not. So I can go to the service desk and ask for fair trade bananas, uh, which really blesses somebody uh, in another part of the world that I don't even know. And I really appreciate this notion of, I get to love somebody that is my neighbor, even if I don't know them. So I think contemplative flexibility has been huge. Um. I think one more thing as we're talking about this is, again, 
most of justice work is the day in, day out, one foot in front of the other. It's not the big moments. And I think we tend to live for the wow moments of justice where we get to experience the tipping points or those sorts of um, different parts of, of, of history or of our work. But I think a lot of it is just sort of the mundane commitment to whatever it is that's yours to do and doing it over and over and over again. And interestingly, I was just watching the documentary with my daughters about um, uh, RBG, the documentary about Justice Ginsburg, and just sort of recognizing too some of her strategic moments that some turning points in her work towards equity for women and gender equality, one of her prime cases that did that was actually a case for a man who had a wife who died in childbirth and so he chose to stay home and care for the young baby for the first four to six months or something of his life and had the wife um, been the one caring and if he had passed away she would have gotten social security and some different government assistance but because it was opposite he wasn't receiving that and so she knew that advancing her cause meant taking this case and that the men on the court would be sympathetic because if I have a male sitting next to me and they're seeing his story they're going to identify in a certain way and sure enough it was a very shrewd strategic move but she was looking bigger than just I have to advocate for women but there's a whole thing here and so I think sometimes in our work too, it is the day to day, it is the moment by moment. And then sometimes we get those strategic opportunities that might not even seem like the actual thing that we're doing. But again, I think if we're paying attention and that listening piece, uh, when the opportunities do come, we're willing to take that and, and see the, the course over the long haul. So yes, the listening piece is very helpful. So maybe we are at a moment where we can take that opportunity to talk about what we are into, what is energizing us, what is bringing us life. I think I am into sparkly eyeshadows. <laughs> you guys are going to find that light is a huge theme for me. And a friend of mine sent me a palette of sparkly eyeshadow. And it brings me great joy to just, like, occasionally I get sparkle on somebody else if I hug them. And it's just this happy thing in my life. So sparkly eyeshadow is bringing me great joy. <laughs> uh, what I'm into this week is the joy of snow. And we, um, so we live in Wisconsin, which, you know, we often get snow, but I was just reading, uh, or I, I'm sorry, listening to a podcast about the book Wintering, and she talked about this idea that in children's storybooks, snow represents this magic that happens, you know, so Narnia, like you cross over and there's this magical kingdom of snow, or, or often snow represents sort of this transitional magical moment, and it makes the landscape it's like equity, right? All of a sudden, anything ugly in the landscape looks beautiful with this fresh snow on it, and it brings a sense of equity to the earth, kind of the justice piece we're talking about. And so I think this, you know, the other day as it, as it snowed here, we got a large snow, and just watching the magic, and our children played outside for, I think, six hours straight. They took a brief 10-minute, let me eat some lunch, but just a delight of making the snow forts and I love walking in the woods with the fresh snow on the trees and just experiencing the magic of snow. So that is what I am into this week. And along the same lines of, of you know, snow falling and our kids uh, playing outside, I think I've really been energized by acts of kindness. My neighbors lately have been using their snow blowers and shovels and they've 
been going a little bit extra you know they've been doing like the long part of our our uh, sidewalk and so whenever we had that big snow yesterday it was it was so fun to take my kids and we were able to like do parts of our neighbors driveways and stuff and so that was really fun interacting with our kids like doing these acts of kindness and sort of perpetuating this idea of you know doing good deeds in the neighborhood that is so amazing so thanks everybody for being with us today. We will see you again soon. And if you'd like more information or want to check out any more resources, check out thecontemplativelife.net.